That was what it used to be. We're going to see if we can change the discussion, change the conversation. Um, let's try the same old bait and switch, the same old hat trick. Let's see if we can get that to occur. Let's see if we can do that. That's the thing for you to pay attention to. That is the fundamental shift. That's the fundamental shift. This is different for the world here to know that we've got a different set of priorities. Do you realize what a revolutionary act that this is right now? Do you realize what a revolutionary act this is right now? You see, we're in the middle of when they say, okay, we're going to give you some quote unquote time off. Everybody is supposed to be so desperate for downtime. We're supposed to be so desperate to have just some reprieve. You're supposed to be so desperate about that that it's supposed to fundamentally, every time this happens here, it's supposed to be a dog whistle, snaps you right back into shape. No matter what you were doing, you abandoned what you're doing, and then you just say, well, JC, you know, I wish I could, but man, I'm just so beat down, man. I'm just so beat down. That is why we are special and different here, because you would have seemingly the most pampered generation ever and what we're showing them is that we are the most relentless generation ever. You have offered up your false idols and you have offered up your attempts to buy us off and tell us that, oh, we don't understand anything and that if we would just go along to get along if we would just go along to get along, then maybe we could relax some more. Maybe we could relax some more. Why don't you want to take it easy? Don't you want to sit back? Don't you want to kick your feet up? Don't you want to do a victory lap? Don't you want to just go ahead and, and, and saunter off into the sunset? See, that's supposed to be a powerful incentive. Don't you want to be like everybody else? Why, who in the world wants their lives to be harder than they have to be? Who wants that? Who in the world wants their life to be more difficult than it has to be? Who the hell wants that? Who the hell, when they have the opportunity to just recede off into the background, turns back around and walks into the war zone. Who does that? Who takes away time from their family and their friends and getting turned up or getting turned down? Who Who is it who takes away from leisure time to return back to the war zone? Folks, do you understand how much effort and work and labor it is psychologically just to be here because what you are doing right now is expressing a psychological disposition that you might live in this society, but you are not of this society. 
that you might be walking the streets here, but you're not one of them. You might be sitting on their same internet, yeah, but you're going somewhere else or something else. Now, that's not supposed to happen. That's the part that is deviant. That's the part that is gone off the beaten trail. That's the part that's out of control. Because you understand that the folks that are going to be after you tomorrow and going into the new year and the next year after that and the next year after that, why, they're not taking a holiday. Oh, they may be sitting at home right now around the turkey and sitting around the tree, but they're doing it for different reasons. Let me take a moment to put it all in its proper context, the 720 degrees of analysis that you'll receive absolutely nowhere else. When you're sitting around the table with your family and your friends, and you all are discussing things, and talking about how great you did, making the turkey or the dressing, talking about how wonderful of a job you did on the pumpkin pie or the potato pie, bragging, patting yourselves in the back, reminiscing about old times, family members who may not be here with you this year, anymore here as you're waxing nostalgic those other folks are probably sitting around their table although then again they may not be because as we know the folks who sell you on these holiday ideas and sell you on these cultural customs do not themselves actually partake in those customs Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will stand there in the middle of a so-called Christian church and then turn right around and tell you abortion now, abortion forever. Drugs now, drugs forever. They'll turn right around and support legislation that erases the very Jesus they were talking about in the church there. They're talking to you about that and then will turn right around their daily lives. By the way, Kamala Harris what religion do you have as a Brahmin? What religion exactly do you have, ma'am? Because when she named Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, by the way, you, you didn't mention Hinduism. You, you didn't say anything about that. So what is your religion, Miss Harris? While you're standing amongst the rest of us, by the way, what is your religion? do you have and do you support while you are feigning to be sitting next to us that's something to think about here that's something to think about I want you to keep that in mind. When you are talking to your children, discussing presents, say, hey, go ahead and do that. But what are you buying your children? What are you buying your children for Christmas presents? What are you doing? 
first of all, Kamala Harris will sit here and yell to you about abortion, aborting your children, reproductive rights for a woman who has no biological children. But she is thrilled to encourage you to abort yours. Meanwhile, she has none. And as far as the children around the tree, it's not as if she's ever had to watch hers. She's never had to do that. And if they do, what do you think they're talking to? What do you think they buy their children? You see why you buy your children an Xbox or tennis shoes or something. While the dominant society is buying their children weapons. Not the teenagers, the children. They buy their children weapons. They buy their children guns. They get their children little hand grenades. They get their little their children little military weaponry. That's what they do. They get their children weaponry as kids from the time that they are able to hold. From the time that they are able to hold one, that's what they do. Something that you yourself would never even think about, never even contemplate. And that's what is the tradition there. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's what they're doing with their downtime. That's what. That is the spirit of holiday cheer. That's not taking a holiday. That's not taking a holiday. Every time you turn around and hear about one of these mass shootings, what do you hear? What do you find out? It's invariably the same story. That wasn't the first day those kids went and picked up a firearm. This is a long tradition. They had years of experience doing that, which is why it came to them so naturally. They had no problem doing it. They've been doing it for years. Because just like you as black people have the conversation with your black children about the society that they're going into, these other folks have a conversation with their children about the society that those kids are going into. You are teaching your children the methods and the ways of survival. They are teaching their children the methods and the ways of dominance. You are being fed a steady diet of preaching equality and they are giving a steady diet of dominance. Have you considered that? Have you considered that? Most people don't. Most people don't. 
that can be hard for you because especially if you don't see yourself as at war, it's like, I'll be damned. Why do I have to do this every day? Why do I have to be vigilant every day? Why do I have to think this ultra-aggressive manner every day? Why do I have to think this ultra-defensive style every day? And it's because the people who are after you are thinking about that every day, every time you make a move, every time they make a move, they make a counter-move. They make a counter move. That's what it means to be at war. They're watching what you're doing and when you make a move to adjust, they start making a move to adjust. Ideally, preferably, they would like to make a move before you do. They want to anticipate what you're going to do and be ahead of you, ideally. You could not live in a world and in a system where you are this consistently confined if this was not a 24-7 occupation. It's not happenstance. It's not accidental. It's not coincidental. This is the result of meticulous and consistent effort. The other thing is that their conversations are radically different. Their conversations are radically different. They'll talk about the same things that you do. They'll talk about the same things, or at least the same things that a lot of other folk here do. And that was the work that we began over a decade and a half ago. You see, what frightens them is that we take this situation far differently than they thought we would. See, what's supposed to happen is that we're supposed to be the affluent. I want you to understand something. Listen to me right now. Many of you are the so-called talented tenth. You are above. You are middle class or upper middle class. You are exactly the type of Negro that's supposed to buy in. You're supposed to go looking out for number one. Look out for yourself. Only take care of you. Don't worry about everybody else. You're supposed to be the Fox News viewers. It's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be them. That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to go to school, get your degree, get your good good little job, and then say, you know what? As long as I keep my head down, don't make any noise, don't make any waves, and if something does happen, well, they wasn't racist, they was just ignorant. That's what you were supposed to do, but ah, 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 you didn't do that. You didn't do that. No, you see, you've gone off and you've gained your financial footing and your affluence, and then you've turned back around what the HBCUs failed to teach. You gained that on your own. What the HBCUs failed and or neglected to teach, you've acquired that for yourself. Now you've turned back around and you have been consistent. You've turned back around and said, yeah, we're putting our little nest egg together here and we're going to lend our strength to the cause. Well, that wasn't supposed to occur. You were supposed to be more concerned with going off 
and seeing if you can buy overpriced clothes, overpriced shoes, overpriced cars, overpriced homes, and then you would be bogged down for the rest of your days trying to handle that. So you would be more concerned with keeping the system working in a manner that is preferential to you than thinking about the collective. After all, that's what they told you in the 90s. They beat it through your head then. Do for self, for self, do for self, do for self. Boy, they love popularizing that music. Do for self, go for self. Self, self, self. And please remember your old black media never once spoke against it. Never once preached against it. Ebony Jet Magazine, they never once talked against that because they were out for self too. Oh, am I going to go there? Damn right, I'm going to go there, folks. There. Go ahead and remind you here that I don't bow at the altar of John H. Johnson and Johnson Publications. I don't bow at their altar. I don't sit here and sing those songs in that manner. I don't have to denigrate the man, but you are not going to hold him up as some paragon for me because at one time that company was making hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions back when the dollar was still worth something. What? Can you imagine what could have or should have been done when you got those kind of resources all consolidated into one place? Then you have Bob Johnson, and you found out real quick why it is that white folk like John Malone just had no problem funding Black entertainment television because he wasn't there to change the status quo. He was there to capitalize on it. And I challenge you all today, what is the net benefit that we gained after half a century of Ebony and Jet Magazine being, being knockoffs of time and life? No, I'm not making that up. Everybody knows the story. Ebony and Jet were made to be the black knockoffs or the black uh, equivalents of Time Magazine and Life. Okay, fine. But by the way, after half a century now, can someone please tell me what is the net benefit that we gain from the existence of Ebony and Jet Magazine? Tell me what was the net positive that we gained that is still with us today. I challenge you to name that. I challenge you to name for me what is the net positive of Essence Magazine. After four decades or so of its existence, will you please tell me what is the net positive that we have to show for the existence of Essence Magazine. What do black women have to show for it other than a festival in New Orleans? What do you have to show? 
Someone explain to me after three decades, what is the net positive of BET? Hell, what was the net positive before the white folks stepped in and just took 100% ownership? They already had half ownership and really they had full ownership because they decided what was going on there. By the way, what, what do we have to show after three or four decades of black entertainment television? What do we have to show for that? For its existence. What do we have? What was the net benefit that we gained from the existence of BET that we would not have had without it? Tell me what BET's legacy is that is with us today that we wouldn't have had without it. Somebody in the chat room said, forget the infamous Emmett Till photo. Well, certainly that was a watershed moment. That certainly was. Not going to like what I'm going to say next. Not going to like what I'm going to say next. I challenge anybody to show me where Jet Magazine was really stomping black folks' rights. I mean, look, here's the issue here. I'm, I'm going there. You see, as I told you here before, it's real easy to get folks to acknowledge the quote-unquote existence of racism. And even as we have put this society in a stranglehold and forced it to change the lexicon from racism to specifically white supremacy, well, you found that they will even acknowledge the existence of white supremacy but they won't move on to the necessary final step of now. What do we do to dismantle this system of white supremacy? That's when folks start shuffling their feet. That's when they go looking for symbolic people and tokens to put in front of you. Or they tell you, oh, yeah, we, we really do need to do something about that there. And then as soon as you turn your back, Suppose you turn your back, Skeletor, these other folks in office, start showing you exactly what the deal is. So this is radically different from the conversations that we used to have. Radically different. You can go over there to Bowling Ball Martin's YouTube channel right now, you ain't talking about a damn thing, and will not. Because if you are looking at anything in the political system and saying those are our allies, you just betrayed the people. That's the tactic that they've been using. The tactic they use is we'll see if we can give some benefits to some hand-picked Negroes, and then those will be our voices within the masses to speak on our behalf and to promote our agenda. Those will be our voices to promote our agenda. Let me go ahead and drop some more serious negative vibes on you all here when you talk about the Ebony's and the Jets. I got to do it. I got to do it. 
same thing that I always ask because I take a look at these white corporations. I take a look at these white institutions. I take a look at these white organizations. I take a look at them. I see how they move and I see what they do. And I'm going to turn and go look at you. And I'm going to see if I see the same thing. Will someone please tell me after six or seven decades of its existence, will you please name for me the black stars that were created from Ebony and Jet Magazine? I'll wait. Please tell me with their hundreds of millions of dollars of resources. Show me the black people who got lifted up by them. Show me the ones who got put on by them. Show me who they were decades now. They'll talk to black folk after the TV networks talk to them after that. But as far as the grassroots, as far as who's up and coming, as far as who's next, tell me when Ebony and Jet ever did that. See, I'm not dissing Tyler Perry. I'm just doing mathematics. And that's why I was asking you all here, by the way, who has Tyler Perry made a star other than Tyler Perry? Who has he made a star other than him? See, that's the thing I take a look at. Who has Tyler Perry made a star other than himself? Because you see, I can see who John Johnson turned into a mogul himself. Were there any others that he turned into moguls? By the way, Bob Johnson, there may be an argument. You can make an argument that BET did create some rap stars. Of course, you can make that argument. I defy any of you to tell me who is a star that BET has created in the last 20 years. In the last two decades of BET's existence, I would challenge you to name somebody who is a star that they created. A bona fide star they created. Everybody says they came from BET. All right. All right. Well, we got some folks in here explaining. And see, that's how they get you. Tyler Perry provides steady work for many black actors and comedians. Now, silly that sounds. Quentin Tarantino does not provide steady work. Quentin Tarantino makes stars. Oh, you don't want to hear that one. Yeah, that, that's the part you don't want to hear. Quentin Tarantino 
doesn't provide steady work. Quentin Tarantino creates stars. Steven Spielberg does not provide, quote, steady work. Steven Spielberg creates stars. Big difference. Big difference when you say it like that. Big difference when you say it like that. sit up here and as soon as you hear those kind of things you start make you start explaining the chat room is another one oprah winfrey yes so-called billionaire please tell me other than her white gurus who got put on after all these decades the only person who's gotten steady work is her best friend Gail. Yes, yeah, so if, if, if you are one of these folks here who they good in with you, okay, fine. But other than that, no. Other than that, no. That's the thing I want you to stop being bamboozled over. it up here when it's time to call folk out. See, this is what we do different. Some of y'all still still here got your old church lady stockings on. You got your old church lady stockings on. We start talking about this. All of a sudden, you start shoving your feet. You all will be sitting here with a nigga sitting on three, four hundred million dollars. You'll be talking about when he was making thirty thousand dollars. He can't do nothing. When he was making three hundred thousand, he can't do nothing. When he's making three million, he can't do nothing. When he's making thirty million, he can't do nothing. He's making three hundred million, he can't do nothing. This is not about being a savior for black society, but this is also understand that if I see that those of us with far more limited resources, we got all hands on deck. Then you got niggas with hundreds of millions. And they're sitting back real quiet. Don't hold them up as an example or a paragon for anybody to mimic. Don't hold them up. Not going to have that. We are going to have legitimate icons, people who put it on the bricks, people who risk things, people who sacrifice things. People who sacrifice things. What do they sacrifice? What I'm telling you is that's how they get us. They get us by doing that. 
These other folks, however, is radically different over there. They do things radically different over there. Mark Zuckerberg's success is not accidental. Do you all realize that there are literally hundreds of billions of dollars specifically flowing into San Francisco and New York area specifically for the purposes of financing young white kids with basically unlimited funds? It's not a matter of if they'll succeed. They make it a sure damn thing they'll succeed. I mean, how the hell can you be a failure and somebody gave you $100 million? You're already starting off with more money than most corporations can make. And then they start you off with $100 million? You ain't got no damn excuse for failing if somebody hands you $100 million. They hand you a head start like that? How the hell did you fail? That's my point to you. How the hell do you fail if we give you $100 million, $200, $300 million? How the hell did you fail? And then you find out in the case of places like Twitter or Airbnb, they didn't just get funding once. They got funding a couple of times over. I'll be damned. You can't get a loan for $30,000 from the bank, and yet these young white kids can get millions of dollars up front. And see where the problem comes in here is that they do that, and the next thing you know, they take that and make a widespread of opportunities for other white people. You start a Facebook, an Instagram, a WhatsApp, a Twitter, a Tumblr. We can go down the list of YouTube. Next thing you know, you've got not dozens. You've got tens of thousands of white people working for you. Folks, that, by the way, they got these businesses. They got these job occupations. They're sitting up here controlling what people see, just like the old gatekeepers in broadcast television and broadcast radio. While they block YouTube channels, they block videos, they shadow ban them, and they make a lot of money. They make sure these folk here make lots of money. Oh, white supremacy pays. It pays big. They make sure these folks got lots of money, big money working for them. Living in sunny locales, living on the coast, living near the beach. And then when they go to work, Heil Hitler. They walk into the YouTube offices. Dozens, hundreds of employees all united with the website and the system backing them. That's what it's paying for. And so what happens is that when you have these so-called black celebrities, they get their asses in a bind. And because they only looked out for number one, only looked out for themselves, 
when them people get ready to come get you, ain't nobody to defend you. The masses won't come defend you. And it is of critical key importance that you have that. They couldn't get Michael Jackson because the masses were behind him. Y'all remember when uh, he got found not guilty, you saw all those people outside the courthouse. That was the support that that man had. O.J. Simpson, same thing. Whether you believe he deserved it or not, O.J. became symbolic and he had the support of the people. He had the support of the grassroots. Bill Cosby? Well, they knew he didn't have the grassroots support of the people. They knew he didn't have it. So they knew that they could violate the law and this, that, and the other, and support for him was, was fractured. You didn't have that, that steadfast, passionate support of the level of these other people. You didn't have that. That was the difference. That was the difference. I pointed you all to the example of Kyrie Irving. I called it. I called it in the midst of the furor, in the midst of the crises. I called it and said that if black people close ranks around Kyrie, if we do not move, if we say that we support him no matter what, that's his only chance to survive this storm. They tested to see if we're going to abandon Kyrie. And if we abandon him, they're going to kick him out the league and he's done. But if we stand by him, that will be his only chance to make it out of this in one piece. The people lock ranks. We lock ranks around him. We lock arms around him. We close ranks. And next thing you know, they had to leave Kyrie alone. They saw he had the support of the people. He had the support of the people. Then you take a look at Sean Diddy Combs. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. Yeah, for the longest time, he told himself, as long as I'm in good with these white folks, because he was a, what, intern at MTV and worked dancing for Madonna or whatever, as long as I'm in good with them, it doesn't matter if I have support for, from the rest of you. As long as I'm still in good with them. Now, you can say whatever you want to about this next part I'm going to tell you, but we're just going to have a brutally frank discussion here tonight. Chris Brown has been able to survive because, like it or not, Chris Brown ain't really seen as no white ass kisser like that. Now, that's the perception, but Chris has been much more in touch with the grassroots than, than P. Diddy has. Chris doesn't have a reputation for stabbing folks in the back and, and shortchanging people. So Chris was able to survive that crisis. 
Diddy, you would think that Diddy would have rock solid support up and down the industry, but he spent the last three decades. He spent the last three decades saying that everybody who could or would support him was expendable. That's what he spent the last three decades doing. He spent the last three decades saying, don't worry, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be okay. The rest of y'all know I'm going to be all right. And he told himself, well, don't worry, because I'm doing the same thing that the rest of these folks out here doing. I'm doing the same thing these white folks out here doing. I'm going to be okay. And then the day came where they were like, by the way, Sean, we don't need your brands anymore. Now, Sean told himself that because he was, quote, unquote, doing business with those people, that he was so valuable that it didn't matter that these folks were not going to cut off the revenue stream that he supplied. That as long as he was mobbed up with them and, quote, in business with them, they was going to have to take the money and they were going to have to protect him. That's what he said to himself. They're going to have to protect me. They're going to have to. Whether they like it or not, whether they think it's dirty or not, they're going to have to ride with me. And what they showed him was, oh, no, we'll scuttle the whole damn thing. We'll scuttle the whole damn thing. And not only will we scuttle it, we're going to scuttle it in lightning fast speed. You won't even have time to point fingers at anyone else. And if you attempt to do so, no one's going to listen. That's when Sean looked around, and right now he needs public support. Right now he needs folks who are going to close ranks. Right now he needs people who are going to have his back. Right now he needs the support of the grassroots more than ever. And then people just waited until he was no longer viable. They waited until he no longer had any stars. They waited until he was no longer profitable. Now they're coming for him to claw back all that money, to cut off all that revenue, to take control of every damn thing. Let me explain to you all what the game plan is now, in case you were wondering. The game plan now is to hit Sean Combs with a train of lawsuits, with a train of claims, to starve him of money, to starve him of revenue, because he's going to need it all and when it is over, everything that he's built with Bad Boy Records, essentially speaking, him and Suge Knight will end up in the same place. If you want to know what the end game is, if you want to know what their ultimate goal is, if you want to know what the strategy is and where they're trying to go with it, I'm telling you where they're trying to go, that at the end of this grand 
Shakespearean drama of the East Coast, West Coast gangster rap era that ultimately we've tied everybody up into a nice, neat little bow. And that none of these powers that in the early 90s were so potent at striking against white supremacy, none of them are still there. None of them. NWA, gone. Ice Cube, off in Hollywood. Snoop Dogg, Home and Garden Television. Dr. Dre, Apple. Tuvok, dead. Shirt Knight and several others, prison. Biggie, dead. Other members of Bad Boy, dead. Most of Bad Boy records, broke. The ones who aren't broke, angry and bitter. Sean Combs, in exile. Now all you got to do is just sit on him and strangle him. And you're just it's going to be a war of attrition when they get done. Next thing you know, he's all out of money, all out of resources, all out of friends. Nobody's coming to bat for him. He's going to have to have a fire sale of everything he got. And once he does that, they will take the catalog. They will take all the intellectual properties. A white man, and there's a white guy who's going around buying up all these black folks' catalogs. There's YouTube videos on him. You can go look them up for yourselves. He's what him or somebody like him will simply step in and say, okay, we'll take that. In the chat room, Russell Simmons in exile, literally. You are correct. Russell Simmons is in exile. And by the way, he wasn't the only one. Remember after Michael Jackson survived that second run by the court system to lock him up, Michael Jackson was on the first thing with wings out the country. So you see, this is a repeated strategy over and over again. They couldn't pin Michael, but they've been grabbing cats ever since. They've been grabbing them ever since. At this point, it wouldn't matter if Diddy sat up here and dropped a dime on anybody else in the industry. They're not after these other people. They're after him. They're not after these other folks. They're after him. So he can go name all the names he wants to at this point. If he ain't got them on video doing it, it ain't going to fly because they're not after these other people. They've been waiting all these decades to get him to tie all of that up into a nice, neat little bow and everything he built and everything he made and everything he constructed. Now they're going to just take that. And when they get done, they will divorce him from it. And then they will capitalize on the intellectual properties without him. Let's be very clear. You don't need Diddy for Biggie's catalog. You don't need Diddy for Mace's catalog. You don't need Diddy for the Lox's catalog. You don't need Diddy for any of that. You can exploit those catalogs just fine and essentially erase him. You can erase him altogether. I mean, name for me what he actually is essential at. 112 or whatever, 
I want to say it was 112 with Bad Boy. Correct me if I'm wrong. And by the way, name one group of folks he's done business with who ain't sideways with the day. You can erase him from every single catalog, every single song, every single feature without missing a beat. See, that's what happens when you get big and you say, don't worry, the grassroots aren't necessary. I'm going to be good without them. I'll be okay without them. I've transcended blackness. I don't have to help nobody else get on. See, right now, that's the issue he's got. He needs other folks who can vouch for him. He needs other people who are going to go to the mat for him. He needs other people who are going to make sure he's good. He needs other people who are willing to take the heat. They ain't got nothing on them, but they're willing to take the heat to make sure he's all right. He doesn't have anybody. There's a whole bunch of folks floating around right now, hoping they ain't going to get caught up like that. Ain't that right, T.D. Jakes? <laughs> oh, you thought they was going to let your big jelly behind go. Man, don't you know they got dirt on all of y'all? They got dirt on every one of you. Being gay is okay until they say it's not. Until they say it isn't. But the, the very same folks who tell you ain't no problem with it, now they're going to jump up. Who did you hear about it? Those very same people coming and telling you now, by the way, it ain't okay no more. Not anymore, it isn't. Not anymore, it isn't. Yeah, buddy. See, that, that's the thing right there. Is they, they send you a warning. So you can't just come and drop something on somebody. You got to do some trial balloons. You have to see how the public is going to respond. You have to see. Because when you come, for, as the old saying comes, when you go to kill the king, you must kill him. If you strike at the king, you must kill him. You can't walk up and just pimp slap the king and walk off. You pimp slap the king and he lives. He's coming for you. So if you come for the dude at the top, you got to take him. You got to take him down. You come for Bill Cosby, you got to take him down. Look what happened when you came for Michael Jackson and couldn't take him down. Take a look at what happened when you did that. You can't come for these folk and don't knock them off. If you come for them, you got to go all the way. You got to get them. When they came for Marion Barry, you couldn't just get him and knock him over. You had to knock him off. You couldn't knock him off. Even putting him in prison, you couldn't knock him off. Mike Tyson, you couldn't knock him off. Tupac, you couldn't knock him off. Take a look at what the hell happens when you strike at the king and you fail to kill him. Now you're sitting in mortal fear just hoping that he doesn't decide, you know what, screw it, you're coming for me anyway. Let me go ahead and just fight back now because you're coming for me anyway. What they do is they, they send up a trial balloon to let you know. Let's see how you respond to this. Let's see how he responds. Let's see how the public responds. And the two deadliest things, when they float a trial balloon, there are the two deadliest things that you have to watch out for. Somebody in the chat room said, TV equals take that. Seriously? <laughs> TV stands for take that. 
some of y'all folks here, some of y'all folks need, 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 need religion. But in any case, they blow that trial balloon. They blow the trial balloon to see, and they're the two deadliest things that that could possibly happen. The two deadliest things is the sound of laughter and the sound of silence. Those are the two deadliest things that could occur. The sound of laughter or the sound of silence. That's what they're listening for. They're listening to see that when they come for you, did the public, did the masses, did the grassroots start laughing? Did they start ridiculing you and mocking you? Did they stand up and protest in your name? Or did they say nothing at all? Because you see, if the people are laughing or saying nothing when they start these rumors, they start these rumors, they start these rumblings, the next thing you know, they're checking to see, by the way, how many others of you can we take down? Or something that's actually not a crime, but how many others of you can we take down? Yeah, TD, it's time for us to go ahead and claw that money back from you. Time for us to go ahead and take that from you too. It's not me too now, it's you too. That's something to keep in mind there. That's something to keep in mind. Folks, we have left the era of them just coming for one person. They're coming to take down the whole damn thing. These folks have been floating around all these years and told themselves they're safe. They got the connections. They got the hookup. Not no people you don't know. It's like the folk you know. Oh, man, that, that, that's your man set you up. That's your man set you up. Don't y'all get that? Come on, folks. Do you think Cassie just came out of nowhere? Think about that for a few moments. All the folks around this who put this into place from the governor of New York on down. Man, there's a bunch of white folk here. It's like, oh, no, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. Whenever you all see a piece of legislation and the next thing you know, a black man's face is sitting right there next to it. Don't you know that the fix is in? It's not accidental. The fix is in. The fix is in. That's not accidental. You got them talking about Vin Diesel now. Vin Diesel, like, wait a minute, do I even qualify as black anymore? Vin Diesel's looking around like, hey, wait a minute. I've been playing movies of white men. How you gonna come get me? I don't even fool with them niggas. Like, oh hell no, you gonna drop off some of that fast and furious money, some of that pitch black money, you gonna drop some of that off too. You're going to drop some of that off. 
You're going to go from fast and furious to slow and broke. That's it. Because the whole thing is about now. We want the ability. We don't even have to convict you of a crime. We just need to put a stench on you. We just want somebody to blame you. Now, the folks that we, because we are the white media. See, this is the next part I want you all to understand. This is how these folks screwed themselves. You see, when you're dealing with the white media, they get to control the narrative. They get to control the conversation. So if you want to promote something or get something out there, you got to go through them. Well, you're trying to promote your film or promote your work. When they talk to Joe Biden, they're not going to ask him about his drug addict son. All them women who said, by the way, old, old Trump ain't the only one like to grab him by the, you know what? Jim Crow Joe liked to yank it up too. They ain't asking him, not saying nothing to him. But when you show up, that's going to be the only subject of discussion when you show up. So you got to have an alternative means of being able to communicate to the people and an alternative apparatus of being able to do that. Here's the issue. If the only place you go and the only place you show up is on these white outlets, if you don't make sure there's other folks who can promote you, your ass is grass. You're done. When they get ready to cut you off, you're done. That's why it is so important to have access to a grassroots that's actually going to not be bought and paid for by these other folks and not looking to be bought and paid for by them. And see, folks only want to come fool with them and talk with them and speak with them when it's to their liking or to their benefit. They don't want to do it the rest of the time until they ask in the crack and now they need an alternative and the folks they left sitting out here living on bread and water, then all of a sudden they have no problems showing up then. No, y'all got to come and talk here when you're on top of the damn mountain. When you're on top of the mountain, that's the time to come and talk to us. That's the time to come and speak to us is when you're on top of the damn world. Posting Instagram stories and stuff is cute, but see, that's kind of promoting yourself. You need to be working, make sure you propped up an apparatus so that when the day comes, because it is not an if, it is a when, when the day comes that them folks come for you and they will come for you, did you put together an apparatus? Somebody in the chat room said, ask Jalen Rose and Jamel Hill. Let me tell y'all something right now. Michael Irvin would have been far better off talking to Cameron and Mace. Who the hell saw that coming? Yeah, you didn't see that coming. See, y'all would want to sit up here and go fool with Pat McAfee. Let me go see who the white corporations are going back. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? We need to fool some of these folks that the white corporations. We need to build some of our own. Some folks who are with us and on the team with us, we need to build some. No, you sitting up here chasing the broadcast television genre and the broadcast television structure and the broadcast television structure a whole lot better over there.
In my opinion, that's smart. That would be smart of you to do that. No, instead you sitting up here fighting for the damn broadcast television genre where Stephen A. Smith ain't gonna do nothing but savage your ass. You're sitting up here trying to get booed up with Stephen A. Smith and the, he, he belongs to them people. When they tell Stephen A. Smith to go out there and criticize you, that's what Stephen is going to do. <laughs> now, when they sent him out, when, 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 uh, when Dana White of the UFC, <laughs> now when he does it, Stephen going to sound totally different. Well, you know, what it is, see, the problem is, what it is, is, and Dana is a friend of mine. I mean, damn, some of these black men even talking noise about Stephen. I thought they was friends of yours, too. Yeah, well, you niggas ain't as much friends as Stephen. So I'm talking about we got black men out here. Can I just, can I just be honest? Can I be honest for a minute? Let me just be honest for a minute. Folks, so many of these people, if they got picked up by the machine, it's because they on the pipe. They got, I mean, you think Diddy the only one doing freak outs? Come on, folks. These folks is on the pipe. They getting Andrew Gillum. They having freak offs, freak ins, and freak overs. I mean, need I remind you all that the same allegations that they make that they make against Diddy right now, those were the same allegations that Lizzo's big rotund backup dancers were making against her. Remember? Oh, in case y'all forgot, remember Lizzo's backup dancers suing her, saying that when she went over to Amsterdam, she went over to Europe, that she took all of them to these sex clubs. That they turned off the lights, they went to these sex clubs, and it was on and popping. When Lizzo, you talk about Lizzo had her and her boyfriend. I'm like, oh, that, that fella that his life is nothing but struggle. If you gotta use that, use them three words. I'm Lizzo's boyfriend. Yo, brother, your life ain't been nothing but struggle. I wanna mock you and ridicule you, but at the same time, I, I pity you so much. I'm like, oh, it's just cool if I say that. Talking about Lizzo was with him and two other women. Backup dancers are like, by the way, that was that this was before Diddy. Remember Lizzo? Those of you who don't remember or you don't watch my other program, uh, remember? Lizzo got sued not by one, but by a crew of backup <laughs> dancers saying that, oh, by the way, she is off the damn chain with this stuff she does. Sex toys, men and men, men and women, all kinds of stuff going on. 
This was way before Diddy. Now, it was this year, but it was way before Cassie found her way to the courthouse. Well, before the news picked up on it. Way before. Not just one female came at Lizzo. A crew of them came. A crew of them came. Like the Samoan SWAT team. Then you know it's like, hey, baby, we got the dirt on all of y'all. We wouldn't have given you a record contract. We don't give record contracts to the most talented people. That's why you got so many so-called underground and independent artists out here today. Because they don't give the big record deals to the, quote, most talented people. They give them to the ones who are going to do their bidding. No hate for Cardi B. But Cardi, I mean, Charlemagne said it. The, the machine is backing her. Meg the Stallion, the machine, been trying to get you in the high gear now for years. It just ain't coming. It just ain't coming. But she there. So you're not getting a record deal or a sports contract because you are the best or most popular. Hell, my boxing heads. All my people in here who know professional boxing, you've been watching that happen now for five or six decades, way before Don King got in the game. Don King didn't create this rigged ass system way before Don came along. Come on now. Has the boxing world ever truly been a meritocracy? Do you really think that Tyson Fury and Anthony Johnson, whatever his name is, are the best in the world? Do you really believe that? How many other fighters out there do you got who ain't got a shot because they can't get, quote unquote, promoted? They can't get a big promotion and get behind them, so they just stuck knocking niggas out down at the damn Miller Lite Club. So their whole goal is to make sure you never hear of these people. So you come away with the impression that the best in the world is Tyson Fury. And that if Deontay Wilder can't knock him out, then he must be the best in the world. Or that you think that Tyson Fury and Andy Johnson and Andy Joshua, whatever his name is, and, 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 and Deontay Wilder are the top three in the world. Like, do, how many of y'all really believe that? How many of you really believe that? <laughs> that you really do see the top three in the world? No, you're seeing the top three that they presented to you. You're seeing the three that they have presented because the system filters out and picks and chooses. You are not seeing the most talented. That's the crazy part. By the way, I will go even deeper than that. Oh, yes, 720 degrees of analysis you will see absolutely nowhere else. Do you think that in the NFL you see the best football players? I'm about to blow y'all's minds by reminding you of a very simple fact. And by the way, if the system wasn't rigged, why is it Stephen A. Smith and all these other commentators on ESPN are about to remind you, not inform you, but remind, simply remind you of what I'm about to say. 
All of us who went to high school, particularly those of us who went to high school in the Southern United States, in the SEC states, those of you who went to high school in the Southern United States or went to college in the Southern United States and SEC school or whatever, y'all do know that, by the way, it wasn't the fastest running backs who got drafted, right? You do know that, don't you? It, it, the, the system has never been if you've got the most catches, then you get uh, picked by this or that high school or this or that college. You do know that's not the way it works, right? You do know that you don't get picked by the schools or you don't get your letters from the school based on stats, right? How many of you all thought that if you scored the most touchdowns in high school, then you was going to get a call from Nick Saban to go to Alabama? So if I get the most touchdowns, that's the metric that they use to, to, to call me to LSU or to call me to Alabama or to call me to Michigan. How many of you thought that's the way that works? Because every guy in here who played football in high school or college can tell you that they knew cats who had better stats than anybody you name who got drafted. Every single fella in here who has played football at a Southern high school or Southern college or university, you know, for what? you can name the guys who got drafted to the NFL, but you can also name a bunch of other dudes. Like, by the way, there were other dudes on the team who had better stats than him. You're just looking at the guy that they drafted, but there were guys on our team who caught more cut, uh, who caught more uh, passes, who ran more yards, <laughs> who rushed for more yards, who had more interceptions. Thank you, Dwayne. The coaches have the set. Your stats don't mean a damn thing. Would you like me to prove it in real time? I will prove it in real time right now. Do you think that there is a single player at Colorado University who going to get to the NFL if Coach Prime says, not him? If, the NF, if you got the best stats in college football, if Coach Prime, if the teams come sniffing and the scouts come looking, if Coach Prime says to them, not this guy, yeah, y'all want to talk to the others, not this guy. Do you think you're going to get your shot? Do you think the scouts and everybody going to go around Coach Prime and say, well, we'll talk to him anyway. Yeah, Coach Prime said don't, but we're going to talk to you anyway. Come on now. <laughs> Alabama, if Nick Saban, if the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers, if they come sniffing around Alabama, if Coach Saban tells them, not this guy. Y'all want to talk to everyone else, but not him. You think you're going to get your shot? Do you think if Nick Saban tells the 49ers not to talk to you, that you're going to get your shot? Do you think you're going to run up to the 49ers with your damn stat sheet and say, hey, I got more interceptions and I've caught more passes and I've run for more yards? You think that's going to help you? Do you think that's the metric that they're going to use? I'm just, folks, why is it that Stephen A. Smith didn't say what I just said to you all? Pat McAfee, 
Why is it all your sports commentators are not reminding you of the very simple truth and reality that I just told you? In the NFL, you are not watching the most talented players. You're watching the best players that they deemed fit to bring to that league, which means that they are judging you on something other than how well you can play and how many games you can win. When you, oh, I'm going to say this, when you got a Jamarcus Russell or a Ryan Leaf or a Tim Tebow, when you got those kind of cats who can make it to the league, uh, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about the criteria that they are supposedly using? Who's making these decisions? If this is, if you are under the misconception that this is strictly based on merit, because a bunch of y'all are thinking, well, if this guy over here, if he ran the most yards and caught those touchdowns in high school, then the college is going to call him. And if he does the same thing at the college level, well, then the NFL drafts him because why? Whoever it is who has the most touchdowns thrown in the NFL, well, that must be the best quarterback to ever pick up a football. And it's not. Well, whoever has the most uh, rushing downs in this physical, that must be the best ever. That's not the way that works. That's not the way that works. Kirky, Kirky, this is not up for your opinion or, or, or what you think about it. Obviously, you don't know anybody who's ever played college football. You need to go talk to them. You do not get drafted because of stats. Your stats are not what gets you drafted. Your stats are not what gets you downs. Your stats are not what decide if you are the starting quarterback. I'm not going to say Deion's sons. That would make people think that they're not talented. Obviously, his sons are very good at what they do. But, hey, was that not the controversy? Would you be getting the ball if you were not Deion Sanders' son? Which, by the way, sounds ominously familiar. Would you be getting the ball if you were not Archie Manning's sons? Plural. Would we be making you the starting quarterback at the college if you were not the sons of Archie Manning? Would we be talking to you? Would you be starting or would you be second string if you were not Archie Manning's sons? Marquez Bowden, you said a mouthful about Tom Brady, by the way. You said a mouthful about him. You want to talk about his stats? You want to talk about somebody who the numbers obviously were against them, and yet there he is. With a coach, with a coach and a team who are now the most notorious team in history for cheating to win games. <laughs> By the way, before you want to talk about how great Tom Brady is, oh, yeah, did we forget that, uh, yeah, we got the best quarterback. Yeah, you've also got the best telescope lenses. You've also got the best directional microphones. 
and the NFL did what to the Patriots? The NFL did what to the Patriots after that? Because we know the professional sports came for Barry Bonds. We know they came for him. By the way, did they ever come for Brady? Did they ever come for Belichick? By the way, just asking for a friend, because remember the salt on the meritocracy, right? Yeah, just couldn't help but notice that, by the way, Tom, yeah, you're so talented that the team needs telescope lenses and directional microphones and to steal the damn playbook from the other teams. Yeah, by the way, you're so talented that yeah, you got to do that. Somebody said underinflating the balls, but yeah. You ever seen so much of that happening on one damn team? Best quarterback ever. Best quarterback ever. King Gambit, I don't know what mayonnaise trailer park you're coming from, but explaining like that is not going to help you. You're, you're hurting your cause, buddy. You're hurting your cause. If all teams cheated, the damn Raiders would be the, would have 15 championships with their belt. you think that you are watching the best and brightest, if you think you are watching the most capable, if you think you're watching the best in the world, no, you're not. You are watching a presentation. I just showed you all the evidence of that from the world of uh, music to the world of sports. That's what's been presented to you. And then these folks end up being employees and effectively being employees and being dependent on them. They end up being utterly dependent on them. That's where the problem comes in. And now you're a part of the system and you're a part of their system. So when they get ready to shut you down, it's a wrap. When they get ready to cut you off and shut you down, you are done. You have no alternative. You haven't formed any relationships with anybody else. You haven't helped to cultivate the grassroots. You ain't nothing. Now you'll have no problem sitting up here boosting a call me daddy or a Pat McAfee. And then the second that the system tells call me daddy or Pat McAfee to shut you down, they ain't even blinked. They're not even blinking. You put yourself behind the eight ball when you do that. Don't worry, these other folks will look out for me. Keep telling yourself that one. I'm in good with them. Then you wake up one morning and find out how good in you aren't. Now, we understand that. We understand that, and we embarked on a mission that they didn't think we would actually do. We embarked on a mission to build a communication apparatus of our own. We embarked on a mission to do that, and what they told themselves is, well, you know what? These niggas is weak. I mean, they're just a bunch of young, noisy kids. All they're going to do is make a little noise, but if we bury them and prevent them from being able to take off and blast off, they're going to run out of money, they're going to run out of interest, they're going to 
run out of uh, listeners, they're gonna run out of an audience, and thus they're going to run out of a purpose for existing. Now, that was the idea from day one behind shadow banning. There was only one problem with that strategy. Shadow banning works for people looking to make a living. Shadow banning doesn't work on true believers. And that was what they weren't counting on, is that, by the way, you can pull your little shadow banning stuff, but that's only going to work on somebody who's looking to get a deal or make a deal. I didn't come here to make a deal. I came here to tell you, here's the deal. Twitch back in 2008 and 2009, they were saying, well, Jason, we're going to kick your ass with all four feet. I'm like, well, you know what? You might do that. And I'll be right back here tomorrow after you do. So day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Oh, they were giving us the business. They were putting the boots to us. And here comes Barack Obama. Go dance the Dougie and dance the jig. And we've just been out here slowly working year after year, day after day, unapologetic, unadulterated, uncompromising, and unrelenting, brick by brick, like the Shawshank Redemption. One scoop at a time. What they found out is they were up against an opposition that wasn't concerned about playing the short game. Then they looked up and next thing you know, Barack Obama's on his way out of office and we have galvanized enough grassroots support, just enough, that we started challenging everything. Everything started getting challenged. First at a small level, and then you realize, by the way, there were all these small pockets. We never had this great, big, huge, raucous national conversation. It was just all these small pockets, these small pockets of disturbance around the country. And then the pockets grew. And then the pockets grew. Year after year, the noise got louder. Finally, you come to 2016, and the noise has started to become this rumble. They were saying to themselves, now we have a real problem. Now you're starting to lose elections you should have won. And now your exit poll people, and you're going on Google search, you're taking a look to see what's happening. And all of a sudden you're seeing that the folks that folks used to listen to, now it's just dead silence. They don't have any influence anymore. And those folks that you pretended they were not listening to, it's like, by the way, they're, they're repeating their talking points. They're picking it up. They're putting it down. They, they're, they're not letting it go. They're no longer treating these elections like a football game. They're quote unquote, we got to win. They're actually coming to us with an agenda and demanding that. Now it's radically different. Let us be very, very clear, folks. I want you to understand. I have to remind you again, 2016, Roland Martin was the Democrat Party's do-boy. 
You see, the white corporate media had no problem putting that information out when they could check Roland, but you notice they ain't said nothing about it since because the Democrats have sent them the damn kite. They said, hey, stop going in on Roland, Jake Tapper. Stop doing that. We can take his little big fat bolus ass down anytime we want to. We got to have somebody to speak against them and you don't have the credibility to do so. We're going to try to pop up Joy Reid, Tiffany Cross, somebody else. It ain't working. You go, girl. It's dead. So the Democrats, just understand, when Roland Martin goes at us, that's the Democratic Party sending him. Well, Jason, what do you mean? Why would they do that? Because they don't want to have to send any certifieds anymore. See, remember back in 2018, 2016, 2018, and 2020, they had to send their certifieds after us. They had to send the the, 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 the uh, Monique Presleys and the Howard Deans and the Bakari Sellers. They had to send them after us, remember? They had to send them straight up the middle, going directly at us. They sent their certifies. They couldn't just call up a couple of henchmen. They had to send the, the OGs to come get us. They had to send the folks official, the officials to come get us. And what they realize is, damn it, you're legitimizing them. You can do this with these other folks, the Matt Walsh, but you can't do it with these guys over here. You're legitimizing them because that only works if we win. If you send out Howard Dean, Bakari Sellers, Monique Presley, that only works if you win. It doesn't work if you lose. If you send them out to speak against us and then you lose the election, then all you did was legitimize us. So what they told them was fall the hell back. Don't say nothing. Even if we lose the election, don't say anything. Don't legitimize them because it will be all eyes on them. Because people are going to make the connection and say they're the reason that we lost the election. Because when you strike at the king, you must kill him. So if you speak against us and say that we're nobodies and nothings, you gotta win after that. You got to. You can't lose after you do something like that. You must win the next election if you do that. You can't say that we're nobodies and nothings and nobody cares what we think and then go out there and get your ass broke. You can't do that. Because then everyone's going to make the connection. By the way, you said those guys were irrelevant. You got your ass handed to them. You can't afford to take a loss under those circumstances. So they've told the officials, they told the OGs, they told the certifieds, stop talking. Send Bowling Ball Martin out there. Because it doesn't matter if he's wrong. He's already a laughing stock. He's already a joke. It doesn't matter if he loses. It matters if we do. So when you hear them send him out and he's specifically calling me out, 
trying to bring up Louisiana, a place he had to Google Maps. Claims to be from Texas, got to Google Maps Louisiana. And then blaming me, blaming me for Gary Chambers losing, blaming me for Sean Wilson losing. But I thought I was irrelevant. Why would you need my quote-unquote support if I'm irrelevant? Because, Roland, we don't want your damn support on anything. We're not asking you to support anything. But you're whining because Jason Black won't support these other folks over here, and then you're blaming me for them losing their elections? I thought I was irrelevant. If I'm irrelevant, then it's a fait accompli. What do you need me for? If I'm irrelevant, you should be treating it with me like I treated with you. That shouldn't be a problem. And yet it is. And yet going into the election season, you're specifically calling me out. But if I'm irrelevant, it shouldn't be necessary. It's just a waste of time. He called together a whole damn panel to speak about me. Uh, How can that be if I'm irrelevant? Sounds to me like you're the one looking for a leg up. You got a whole damn panel to discuss me. Something that 15 years ago, 10 years ago, didn't happen. Over the last decade, they've had to admit there are just too many people listening. And too many people responding. Ain't nobody trying to jump on the bootleg bus. The butt dance bus is empty. And Roland is scared to death that if Joe Biden gets the damn DDT in this next election, Roland knows that he's a man without a country and a man without a party. Folks, Will someone please explain to me why in the hip-hop holy hell I am getting emails from the Biden-Harris presidential campaign? I just received one. I just received an email. And this is like my second or third one. I just received an email from the Biden-Harris campaign. No, I'm not joking. Let me open this damn thing and read it. Live right here in front of everybody. This is reality radio. Let me open this damn thing and read it. Yeah, from JoeBiden.com. I'm sitting here looking at this thing here. It has my name on Hi, Jason. I'm like, you know you got the wrong damn email. Oh, you know you got the wrong damn email. You know you got the wrong damn email. You know that. 
our records show you haven't had a chance to join us in this critical fight to deliver four more years for Democrats in the White House. I've had plenty of chances. Y'all ain't got a chance to be helping you. That's what you ain't got a chance of. You don't have a chance of me helping you. Can we count on you to make a $25 donation to the campaign to become a Biden-Harris founding donor today? Y'all, can I count on you all to give me $25 to the Black Channel? Because I'm not giving a damn thing to them. I'm not giving a penny to them. This is literally what they got in my inbox. Oh, then they got buttons. other, yes, other, because other is zero. Other is zero. That's what you're going to get. Now that goes on here, sir, we had a strong showing when we launched this campaign, but we can't afford to lose an ounce of momentum. We need to be able to power this campaign for the long haul. Our eyes are on our campaign right now. All eyes are on our campaign right now. Together and only together can we build the grassroots campaign that will take to finish the job. That's why we're asking you to become a founding donor to our campaign today. It make a big difference in what this team will be able to accomplish in the weeks and months to come. And to say thank you, we'll send you a special Biden-Harris founding donor membership card. Rush a $25 donation to become a Biden-Harris founding donor today. Rush. Rush a donation. Rush a donation. Even if I was inclined to do so, I would slow roll that son of a gun. Folks, the, the Joe Biden's presidential campaign is sending me emails in the middle of my Christmas 2023 broadcast, in the middle of it, they're sending me emails. If this is not the, uh, first of all, you asking me for money on Christmas day, that's the first problem. Folks, they trying to hit me up for cash on Christmas day. Did I tell you all at the beginning of this program, white supremacy don't sleep. You talking about sitting around the damn Christmas tree, Joe Biden is, Hey, can I bump some money? Hitting you up for cash. On Christmas Day, in the middle of the night. Well, okay, it's not the middle of the night. You get it. We're in the damn evening, and Joe is saying, by the way, can I get a few dollars? Because I know that Jason Black wants to help me. Yes, I want to help your ass out that White House. I sure do. And I want to help Kamala Harris twerk her way through the White House gates. That's exactly what I want. She can do her little flicked ass, put on your damn Chuck Taylors, do your little flicked ass Watusi dance out the damn gates. That's what you do. Get somebody who's going to throw the black agenda up in here. Can my $25 do that? Will my $25 get that done? I don't know who in the hell slipped in my email address. I have no damn idea who in the hell slipped in my email address. But like for the past 
few days. I've been getting emails from them. This is one I got uh, yesterday. Jason, I know this message is long. So he's starting off saying, by the way, I'm taking up a bunch of your damn time. Jason, I know this message is long, but I hope you'll take a moment to read it and be reminded of all the things we've been able to accomplish because of our victory in 2020. Oh, do tell. When Kamala and I were sworn in over two years ago, the economy was on its back. Okay, for black folk, it's still on its back. Schools and businesses were closed. Ours were still closed. People were hurting. Don't even ask me about that. And far too many were mourning the loss of a loved one to COVID. Kamala and I agreed we couldn't just rebuild the economy as it was before. We needed to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not the top down. So we got right to work and passed the American Rescue Plan. Today, our economy has recovered faster and stronger than any other developed country in the world. We've created more jobs in two years than any president in a four-year term, and the unemployment rate is near record lows. And we didn't stop there. We kept working to make progress on the issues that matter. We Okay, let's hear the issues that matter, folks. Let's hear the issues that matter. We passed the bipartisan infrastructure law, kicking off a decade of rebuilding our country's roads, bridges, highways, ports, internet, and railroads. Did you all notice any of this? Because I missed it. Did you all see any of this? Because I missed it. We passed the most significant gun safety legislation in over three decades. Then we just had a few shootings over the weekend. We took on Big Pharma and won, capping the cost of insulin at $35 a month for seniors. Now the biggest insulin manufacturers are lowering the cost for everyone. Oh, so you can get something done in the medical field when you want to. Oh, you can, because black folk have been talking about subpar uh, medical care for decades. Oh, you can get something done if you want to. Oh, you can lower the prices of things if you want to. While gas prices are out of control, housing prices are out of control. Housing prices are out of control everywhere, but you just bragged that, by the way, we can bring the cost of things down if we want to. Oh, okay. I'm glad you confirmed that what we've been saying the whole time is true. You could bring the cost of all these other things down if you actually wanted to. And by the way, it wouldn't take you no damn five decades either. You could get that done in one session of Congress. Glad you confirmed that. Now we ain't never got to take our boots off your neck. Never. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is bringing down costs for working people and is the largest investment to combat climate change in U.S. history because I believe building a clean energy future starts in America. Folks, if you take a look at the price of housing, the price of cars, the price of eggs, the price of schools, you tell me if inflation has reduced. Show me where inflation is reducing. I'll wait. Yeah, no study required. 
Got straight to work on that. No study required. When I look back at all the things we've accomplished together, I feel proud. And I'm reminded that there's so much more work for us to get done. I know I don't need to remind you what's at stake in this election. The MAGA Republicans in this race want to drag us backward. When they look at America, all they see is carnage, darkness, and despair. They spread fear and lies for profit and power. And you don't? And you don't? Your political career was based. You don't spread carnage, darkness, and just, you don't spare, spread fear and lies for profit and power. Here, take this vaccine shot. Ain't gonna hurt you. You'll be fine. You'll be just fine. They spread fear and lies for profit and power. When Kamala and I look at America, we see possibility. Yeah, the possibility of locking up on niggas. If you're with Kamala and me in this fight, think again. Can you pitch in a donation of $25 right now? I can pitch in a donation of $50 right now. Ain't gonna do it. Grassroots contributions from supporters like you. Who told you I was a supporter? That nigga lied. Are laying the strong foundation we'll need to win in 2024. Not if I have anything to say about it. In the last two years, show you any. If the last two years show you anything, or they show me plenty, is that there's not a single thing beyond our capacity if we do it together. I am proud to have you in my corner. Y'all, if this was a prize fight and I was in Joe's corner, okay. Do y'all really think Joe, if this is a prize fight, do y'all really think Joe wants me over in his corner? I don't know about that one, Joe. I don't, if this is a prize fight, I don't really think you want me over there in your corner, dude. It might seem like a good idea. Hey, Jason, get over here in this corner with me. Okay. Let me tell you which way this fight going. Let me show you what which way this fight going. Oh, trust me, you got the right one in your corner today. Thanks, Jason. We're gonna win. Uh, well, uh, I know exactly how the election's gonna end, but uh, that winning part, yeah, 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 yeah. No, Joe. No, 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 no. Not if I got something to say about it. No. If I have something to say about it, Kamala Harris can get started on her damn OnlyFans. If I have anything to say about it, Kamala Harris, Michelle Obama, they can all get started on their OnlyFans tonight. Don't worry about the election. That's already took care of. What you need to worry about is what pricing tier you're going to make. Kamala, you and Joe Smith's wife. Let her give you some hints on how to get that, how to get that OnlyFans popping. I bet y'all she wouldn't be doing no flinted ass dance moves over there. Oh, I, I bet you she would know how to throw the hips if she had OnlyFans. I bet you it wouldn't be none of that damn mayo. Um, Mayo twist as you do.
She will know what to do over there. Watch. I don't know who slipped in my email address, but I'm like, eh, the joke's on you, Jack. The joke's on you. Oh, with Keisha Bottom B? Hey, that would be a kind of lit OnlyFans, though, wouldn't it? Michelle, Kamala, and Keisha? They can call their little group MK? Michelle, Kamala, and Keisha? That would actually be kind of a little lit OnlyFans when you think about it. Yeah, well, that, that, that might be worth throwing a few dollars. Not, not no brands. No, not, not no brands now. That $25 is, I don't know, not, not no brands. It's not going to be thousands now. Hold on, man. I might, I might put a third of a tank of gas on it. We'll, we'll see. I'm just saying, every time they turn around, they try to show off their damn dance moves. You call them aunties gone wild. You know Keisha is waiting for her close-up. Y'all know that, don't you? Oh, you thought Lala Anthony was bad? Don't y'all know Keisha is just waiting for 50 Cent to give her the phone call? I could walk down here on Sprague Street and go knock on the door of Millennium Studios no, but don't y'all know Keisha? Keisha is waiting for 50 to give her a call. I'm not joking. That's not a joke. I'm not kidding. No, I'm serious. I'm dead ass serious. Keisha is waiting to get that Mary J. Blige phone call. Keisha is waiting for 50 or somebody like that to give her the phone call. She will be the first topless politician on celluloid. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. The only reason she ain't did it is because you ain't said the number big enough. That's the only reason she hasn't done it is because you ain't said the number big enough. But if you saying if, if the number was big enough, if that if that's you stroke a check thick enough. Oh, she don't, she, she just waiting for that one. No, I'm not joking. She's waiting for that one. She was the Magic City mayor. That's who she was. And that's why the Democrats chose her. They were like, she could be at the election poll or the stripper poll, one or the other. Tell me what she has succeeded at outside of that. Tell me where, where she has succeeded outside of those two arenas. I'll wait. So yeah, I'm just telling y'all right now, look here, oh, if you don't think it can happen, you ain't paying attention. If you don't think it can happen, you are not paying attention. The past is the best indicator of the future. And if somebody in Stars or Showtime was swinging the chick thick enough, she was talking, she was just got here talking about reproductive rights. What the hell that got to do with anything? She 
We start talking about reproductive rights and women in control of their bodies and this, that, and the other. That's what the hell she would say. Hell, the Democrats have already got their LGBT assistance. I mean, busting it wide in the middle of the Senate chamber. That's what they got going on right now. So Bill Clinton was taking the interns in the damn closet. Now the Senate staffers are doing their invitation to Caligula in the middle of the Senate floor. But it what's next? What's next? Only thing next is to start twerking on the on the Oval Office desk. That's all that's left. I'm not breaking news. I'm just telling you right now, if the money, if the money dry up, oh, believe me, it's, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? It sounds incredible, but it actually isn't. Oh, this is real. This is real. You're telling yourself, Jay-Z, he wilding out. He's being entertaining. That couldn't actually happen. They wouldn't actually go there with it. Hell, the only reason Michelle Obama ain't did it is because Netflix stole enough millions to keep her off the pole. Netflix is throwing enough millions to keep her off the pole. And as long as Barack and Michelle don't squander it, they're going to put together a trust so they can keep their daughters from doing it. So, Michelle, we can keep it off the pole. If you can keep Sasha and Malay off the pole, okay. The grandkids, forget about it. They done. Coming to a Pornhub video near you. But as long as Netflix keeps putting the damn tab, Michelle won't have to do nothing strange for some change. Kamala, she already knows, oh, you ain't going to make it. Nobody is going to make a cable television show about the adventures of Kamala and Doug. <sighs> Don't nobody want to see nothing about Kamala and Doug. She already knows they ain't going to work. There's not a Netflix series or a candy bar coming for you. Forget about it. Not happening. She already knows. Like, at least Michelle could come and show up on a sorority somewhere, Oprah somewhere, whatever. Kamala's like, eh, nah. Nah, the, the high yellow chicks went out in the late 90s. It's, uh, we, ain't, we ain't really trying to do all this. Plus, you ain't got no swag. You don't have it. You waited too damn long. You married Doug. You got purple suits. Like the damn Joker. Ain't gonna work. So that's what I'm saying. When she leaves the White House, oh, she's going to be sweating bullets. When she leaves the White House, she's going to be sweating bullets. She just wants four more years so she can sock away as much money as she can. When she leaves the White House, she's sweating bullets. It's going to be just her and Doug. Oh, talk about boring and stale. They ain't got no kids. At least being vice president gives her a reason to get away from his ass for 300 days a year. Now she's going to just sit there with him all the damn time. sharing tofu and chipotle recipes.
when a woman gets married, usually she wants to fellow with some swag so he can elevate that image. At least Michelle had that with Barack's big balloon head ass. At least you kind of had that with him. At least he knew how to throw that smile on you. Doug, all right, this is just cringe between him and her. It's like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Cringe, I'll be damned. I bet you she calling up Disney, Hulu, Netflix, anybody, everybody. Can I get a gig? Can I get a podcast? I got to think about the future. Y'all know Keisha. By the way, don't put it past me. Don't put it past me. I'm just waiting for Keisha, that last little Democrat money that Keisha got. I'm just waiting for that to dry up. When that last little bit of Democrat money that Keisha got dries up, I'm, I'm going to give her a ring. I'm going to give her a ring and offer her a co-host job. When that last little bit of money, when them last few pennies run out, we'll give. I'll give her a call and see if we can do that. Don't worry, Keisha. I'll pay you more than Roland. Plus, you won't have so many cringeworthy moments. You'll be in the room with a fellow who ain't looking at you like you a damn donut from Krispy Kreme. He's sitting there licking his lips. Staring at you like a meth addict. The nigga ain't blinked in six minutes. He's just sitting there across from you. Hey there, Keisha Bottoms. Hey, baby. Y'all know Roland, that nigga gonna go straight to workplace harassment. He's not even gonna stop. He's gonna go straight to workplace harassment. He's gonna go right there. You put him in the room with Keisha, where my head. Oh, can you imagine working with him every day as a female? I'll be damn, baby. You need the money that bad? You need the money that bad? Can you imagine working with him every day? Smelling like Oscar Mayer and Brute. Sitting up here glaring at you and leering at you and staring at you. Oh, you got to sit there for like two hours like that? Oh, man, you'd be better off getting you a job at Chick-fil-A. I'm just saying. So Keisha, hey baby, when I send you the when I send you the message, I suggest you answer. I suggest you respond. Trust me, it, it's a whole lot worse going on out here. I can promise you, I don't have I don't have any illegal designs here. I might throw a few wisecracks here or there, but. Yeah, that, that, you think of yourself, no, we're rolling the ticket. Okay, but I don't know if you want to go through all this. I don't know if you want to go through all this. I'm just saying. We've come a long way. We've gotten a lot done, but we have a lot farther to go. But fortunately, I have all of you with me. And we do this on these holidays, and we will be back on New Year's, by the way. And just in case you were wondering, 
Oh, we'll be back on New Year's. We sure will. As we are on every one of these so-called holidays, we are here every time because this is our way of confirming our dedication to this. That this is really who we are and this is really what we do. And we're really serious about this. And that we could be anywhere in the world doing anything we choose, but we're right here because this is where we belong. So I would like to send a special thanks to all of you because I could just be some madman howling in the wilderness. I could just be something, and there's plenty of them on the internet, by the way, make no mistake about it. There's plenty of cats out there that they got 28 followers and they get like 60 views two damn decades later and nobody's listening to them. And I could be that, but I'm not. I've got all of you. And you're the real thing that makes this happen. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the voice. You are the message. So when Roland takes his shots at me, you notice he always says the same thing. That Jason Black, and if you listening to him, use a damn fool. So you see who the real target is. The target isn't me. The target is you. But then again, the target has always been you. And it will always be you. I'm just the metaphor. The real goal is to take down all of you. It would be useless and worthless to take down one man. Killing Dr. King was not the goal. Killing the movement was. Killing Malcolm X was not the goal. Killing the movement was. Killing Huey P. Newton and Fred Hampton was not the goal. Killing the movement was. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That's always been the goal. What they didn't count on is that, by the way, I'm not a shepherd, I'm a fellow soldier. All I do is turn on the microphone and start the stream. All I do is purchase the billboards. All I do is articulate your message. All of you, you are the message. I came to bring power the message. But I'm just the messenger. You're the ones who gave me what to say. You're the ones who told me, Jason, speak it and be unapologetic and uncompromising. You're the ones who did that part. Because you see, if I wasn't delivering the message the way you all told me to do it, you would have abandoned this a long damn time ago. You wouldn't be here today. You certainly wouldn't be here on a holiday if I was not delivering your message the way in which you charged me and directed me to do it. If I was doing it wrong, you'd have been left. You'd have been bugged out. You'd have been found somewhere else to go. You got family, you got friends, you got coworkers, you got side chicks, side dudes. You got a whole bunch of other things you could be doing. Do you realize for me to be able to beat all that out, over 4,600 people in here live on Christmas Day? And I was able to beat out football, cable TV, video games, your coworkers, your kids, your families, your, your hobbies. I was able to beat all that out. Hell no, there's no way in the hell that I could beat that out. 
The only reason you're here is because there's something more important than all those things. And all you did was find someone who was not afraid to put everything on the line to deliver your message. To deliver. So therefore, I cannot compromise. And the only thing I'm going to do is work to refine the message and make it more pure and more impactful every day I get up. That's all. It wasn't supposed to go this way. If we were not supposed to be this disciplined, this dedicated, it was supposed to go another way. And if this is what the first 15 years have delivered, can you imagine what the next 15 are going to look like? Dream for us, the nightmare for them. White supremacy doesn't take a holiday, and neither will we. So I want to thank all of you. I want to thank everyone here who's listening, everyone here who has been subscribed, everyone here, a member of the audience, everyone here who could have done a bunch of other things and you've chosen to dedicate yourselves here. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I want to thank everyone for contributing to tonight's program here. My man, Mr. Rich Bird, thank you very much for your support, brother, as always. Thank you very much. B1 Media is a lifesaver as well. My man, Tom Slick, Walter Wilburn, Lisa Jackson, uh, Godson, everybody here in the Super Chat who's contributing tonight's program. Thank you all for being the message. Thank you all for being what we do here. I have always said there is no Jason Black. You are Jason Black. You are the message. My job is simply to make sure that the message gets out, and now it is, and it has fundamentally changed everything. American politics has moved in directions that a decade ago they told us was simply impossible. They told us that if we voted, we needed to vote for schools, and we need to vote for, quote, representation. And now a decade later, the conversation has moved all the way away from that. But most importantly of all, people's actions have moved. Folks are saying, we're not going to vote if you're not bringing tangibles. And tangibles are not some token jobs. We want the exact same thing that you've given all these other folks times a hundred. You're bringing them tangible financial resources that's what you need to park over here times a hundred on account of the fact that we are a hundred times more in need and if that's not what we're voting for we're not wasting the time to show up to cast yet another empty vote well jason we don't want to have to give you cash reparations well then i see no reason to show up here can we find a token your token better look a lot like cash reparations. It better look like that. It better look like that. But we are not taking any more bait and switches. We're not taking no more con jobs. We are looking to see exactly what you're doing. And now we see what you've done since COVID. Oh, hell no. Cut the check. You don't feel awkward, and you don't feel strange, and you don't feel cringe bragging how you breaking the check off for non-citizens, LGBT, Asian community, Latino community, Native American. You bragging about that when you show up for us. Well, you know, it's, it's real awkward if we do that, baby. 
you feel awkward. Well, damn it, it's going to be awkward. It's either going to be awkward when you comply and treat us like you do everyone else, or it's going to be super awkward when we don't show up. And you can send Roland Martin out to spaz out with his damn dining room tablecloth on. Y'all listen to that damn fool, Jason Black. You can think that's going to win another year. I'm just letting you all know right now. All the cards are on the table for this next presidential election. I know you hear this all the time. Every election they say that, but this next election is pivotal. This next election is going to be a monument in American history. If the black vote does not show up for Joe Biden in the numbers that he needs, if Donald Trump retakes the White House, if you have to show the footage of Kamala Harris leaving in ignominy, no makeup, wearing her PTA clothes, yeah, the irony. If that happens, that will be a bellwether moment in American history and the very next morning, the news outlets, the websites, the podcasts, the commentators, the television stations, the newspapers, the publications, the all the media outlets, that all eyes will be on black society. All eyes will be here. I didn't say it's going to change what they ultimately will do next, but it will send the ultimate wake-up call to them that this is not a temporary situation that's going to die down. And if you just lay your head low, then black folk are going to blow off some steam and then come to the polls and hold their nose and vote for you. This will be a historic moment if we're looking up in a year from now, they lose. It will get their attention from the very top of the political power structure to the very bottom of the grassroots. It will be Proposition 8 in California times a thousand. And when they see and notice that we really are this serious, that we really meant what we said, that you did not approach us with cash reparations, with cash tangibles, with cash payments, with direct financial resources. We ain't playing no damn games. When they see the results of ignoring that, it will be the ultimate gut check moment because you sent them the ultimate message that if we cannot all be equally comfortable, then we will all be equally uncomfortable. And that if you are not going to build all of us up, then we're going to burn all of it down. You will not scare us, intimidate us, shame us, gaslight us, fool us, deceive us into supporting you. We will only support you if you are supporting us and you don't get to tell us what your support is. We name for you what it's supposed to be. You were supposed to be showing up over here and talking about, okay, here's what we get done for you. What you, you told us what you wanted, and that's what we're getting done. When it comes to the state of Israel, Israel tells you what you're supposed to be doing. When it comes to the LGBT, they tell you what they're supposed to be doing. 
the illegal aliens are telling you what they need. I'll be damned if you're going to treat us any differently. And the civil rights generation taught you that you could abuse us, spit in our faces, ignore us, insult us, turn your lily white, crusty, pasty ass up at us, and we would still show up to vote for you. 2024 is a historic opportunity to show them it's a new day. Joe Biden says that it's a day of darkness. That the MAGA Republicans, that when they look at America, all they see is, quote, carnage, despair, and darkness. They spread fear and lies for profit and power. So he's telling you that darkness in pursuit of profit and power, you know what, I like that. And if that's what it's going to be, damn it, that's what it's going to be. I'm not afraid of the dark. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of at home with darkness. So hopefully by this time next year, we'll send them another message. Now, don't expect them to change, but expect them to be rocked on their heels and rocked to their core. And I will come back here and tell them what I said before. By the way, did you get the message? And if you did not, that's perfectly fine because we can come back and do this all over again in 2026 and in 2028. And in 2030, we can just come back and do this every damn year. We'll be able to hold out. You won't, but we will. We'll still be standing. You won't, but we will. We're going to go ahead and wrap up tonight's program here. If you are new here to the Black Channel or to our holiday broadcast, welcome to the unapologetic, unadulterated, uncompromising home of intelligent Black thought. Click that red subscribe button. Click that yellow notification bell. Join us each and every time that we're here. If you haven't been to our website, blackchannelfilms.com, you want to go and check out our groundbreaking, best-selling documentary work. 7 a.m. Gentrified Race War, all available on DVD and streaming. Go to blackchannelfilms.com. That is blackchannelfilms.com. I want to send a special thanks to everyone who has contributed to tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo. I know that you're not rich. I know that you don't have unlimited resources. I know that you're going through things. I know you got things to pay for. I know that's what this whole work is about: is to make a brighter day where you're not under those kind of pressures all the time. I know it's not easy for you. I know that. And I just want to tell you, thank you for your token of appreciation. Thank you for your token of your effort. Thank you for showing that lip service is not service. Thank you for showing how real and dedicated you are to this. You are the unsung, unspoken heroes of this effort and this movement. 
And even if people don't know who you are, they won't sing your songs, they won't sing your hymns, they won't sing your praises. I want you to know Jason Black sees you. I've always seen you. I've always counted it. I've always appreciated it. And I always will. Thank you for your support. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters from around the world, remember, eat this, drink this, sleep this, think this, breathe this, feel this, live this, love this, everything we are. Be one. Black.